Okay, I'm delighted to be joined for the latest podcast, a frank conversation with uh, Rob Bins. Rob is a very successful business owner, entrepreneur from Lancashire, has been a, a part of the downtown network for more years than we care to <laughs> I won't quite say you had hair when we first met Rob. <laughs> but it's great to be here with you, mate. Thanks for very much for joining us and let me just start by uh, getting some background of your career journey you know how it started um, how you got into business whether it was something that you'd always thought of doing or something you fell into because actually despite the fact that as I say I've known you for many years uh, we've never really had the conversation of that background (laughs) and that journey. No so I mean for my sins I actually wanted to be a lawyer believe it or not I was always interested in law that wasn't a conversation that was going down in the Bins household when I was sort of speaking to my parents and saying, I want to be a lawyer and um, it's going to cost us quite a bit to pay for college and university. The conversation lasted about as long as college and university. <laughs> and it, end, it ended with my dad turning around and saying, go and get a job. <laughs> I, think, I think he sort of then turned back to his paper and carried on doing what he was doing. So that was the end of um, my lawyer aspirations. And then... Um, I got an apprenticeship at um, what was then, well, what is now BAE Systems. So, um, you know, and, and it's funny because at that point, I actually thought, you know, bagging that apprenticeship was, you know, it was a hugely competitive process and actually then getting it. And, you know, at sort of 16, I thought, I remember my first day there, Fred Bond, who was the, the manager, he, he got, there's a hundred guys in the room and he sat everybody down and he said, welcome to the rest of your life. And I think, <laughs> I think it was at that point where I realised, oh, no, I don't want this to be the rest of my life. I think that might have been the bit that sparked, I think I need to do something else at some point. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I worked in the aerospace industry for um, what, 17, 17 years. So I started off as an apprentice and then worked my way through this sort or of paid for my education so I got my way in the end and my dad didn't have to pay for it so that was um that there was there was peace in the bins household with that one. um and it's weird as I sort of progressed through the ranks as such um it was at that point where I realized that I just I just didn't fit within the sort of corporate mode I think there was too many quite times when I sort of wanted to ask why what's the point you know can we do this any differently um, and various other bits. So, so yeah, and um, I had a real fondness for going out too. Um, so <laughs> so my, my first sort of um, run into the business was actually um, promoting nights um, and things like that. So I've always been in the leisure industry up until um, up until last last year, really. Mm. Um, yeah, so we sort of promote nights and various other bits, and then it led to sort of owning a you know a number of bars. Um, restaurants, nightclubs, other bits of stuff, you know, like that. But it's been a, a checkered path where I've sort of had the ledger side on the right. And then on the left-hand side, um, I've been like an IT consultant looking at virtualization, sort of um, complex issues and other bits. So it was sort of satisfying the geeky side in me. And then the the side that sort of likes, <laughs> likes, likes, go, likes going out. Um, and in between that, I fitted in a tiny bit of sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, you're definitely a social animal, and we'll come out. Uh, we'll come on to later in the conversation. You know what what lockdowns be like for for people like you and I who obviously do like to get out and about there when we can. Uh, but let me just take you back then to your time at BA Systems because 17 years, you said, you know, the guy said, welcome to the rest of your life and, and that put you off slightly. But 17 years, if you'd have done manslaughter, you'd have been out before then. So that was a long time to, to stay at, at one place. And I'm guessing that what maintained your interest there was, as you've indicated, you know, the opportunity to further your education and your skill set. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was an exciting time. I mean, I say exciting time. Anyone else is sort of glaze over and fall asleep. So I've got to be careful in, in what I sort of talk about. So, you know, from computerization, you know, robotics and other bits, of, you know, things like that. So, you know, the invention of carbon fiber, you know, so we worked on designing all of the systems and things which also um, allow what we now look at computer-aided manufacturer um, things like that. So it was a real sort of exciting time in the IT in the IT space as well. And then when we're working on things like carbon fiber, which we see as an, an everyday you know material now, you know we were sort of like understanding how you um, manufacture it, how you test it, and, and various various other bits. Um, you know it, it's crazy now. The things that we take for granted and you see were things that we were sort of, you know working on. You know, well yeah, quite a long time ago. I think it was. Uh, 1986 when I started when I started this so it, it, it was it was a, it was a while ago and, and Rob did you even before you got into those sort of promotion uh, the promotion work in terms of the the, the, the nights yeah. have sort of a, a an entrepreneurial spirit within you do you think have you always been somebody that's wanted to go out and, and make cash or has the motivation been elsewhere? No, I think, um, I mean, gr growing up, we didn't have a great deal. So I think, I think I thought my first job when I was about 13, I think the 13 was a lot, I think, yeah, 13, 14 was the last time I took a penny off anybody, my parents or, 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 or anyone. So, um, you know, it was the, the, the paper round job. Um, so I used to do paper round in the morning then go and set up a market stall, then go to school, come back and and, um, and unset it. And then um, on, on the weekends as such, we used to have a little breakdown screw and we used to sort of go and do gigs and, and other things like that. So it's always been, you know, making money has always been um, a thing which has sort of been there. But I don't think you sort of realise that you are an entrepreneur until way down the line. And I think it's always something I've probably looked at when somebody says what are you and you say well i'm an entrepreneur because you know you create and do different things i think it's always something i've sort of felt comfortable sort of saying recently because it, it just it's always sounded sort of you know like a daft type of word you know i'm an entrepreneur well no richard branson's an entrepreneur you're something like you know rob Binz isn't an entrepreneur you know it's, it's, it's always a strange thing when you say it i think you are because you've ventured into many different areas of business uh, and you are somebody that has ideas uh, and then goes off and delivers them so that's what i class as an entrepreneur somebody who is actually able to do a diverse range of things i, I think the title is is too often bandied about i mean I, people have described me as an entrepreneur i'm, ju I'm just a politician turned businessman you know that's what i am i'm not an entrepreneur as such you absolutely are um so let me take you back then to 
to those early days because I think it's always exciting, isn't it, when you venture out into something new uh, and when you're starting out, particularly in business. You, you know, I look back certainly in the early days of, of downtown with great fondness now, you know, it's 70 hour, 80 hour weeks, but nonetheless, it, it's very rewarding. Uh, and where were you promoting these nights, Rob? Was it in and around Lancashire? Was it yeah, something yeah. Preston? Yeah, in around, in around Lancashire, um, Preston generally. But, you know, we used to get people traveling from, sort of, you know, all over the country. I, I'm sort of, I wish we had social media then, and then I w- I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> You know, the, the sort of people who used to come to it. So you get, you know, half of them, you know, the Man United team down there and, you know, various, you know, other, some, you know, other, other people down, you know, TV personalities, all, all sorts of people. The people used to come, it was, it was, it was amazing. And again, I wish that we'd have captured some of, you know, some of that then. But whilst you're doing it, you're that busy sort of getting things right that you never actually um, think about stepping back and enjoying the moment. And I think that's, something that we don't do often enough you know we we're, we're sort of head down trying to create and do something and we never sort of sit back and have a look and actually um you know enjoy it whilst it's happening mm. and uh, i mean i was obviously knocking around preston at that time as well i was on lancashire county council so had some great nights uh, in what was then a town um, but really was like a small city because there was so much going on in its nighttime economy. Sadly, I don't think it's as lively now. It, no. it's, it's something that we've lost. But just remind people of the sort of venues that were around at that time. Oh, well, Browns, you know, which everybody, you know, Truth, you know, um, and then you could talk about, you know, Squires and, Oh, in its many guises, you had, you know, sort of Tokyo Joes, which I think everybody sort of um, has had a bad night. Everyone has a night in Tokyo Has a bad night or two in, in, in there. But yeah, no, Preston was really, really thriving. And, and you know, it has still got a good nighttime economy, but, but nothing as to what it should have or what the potential, you know, was of what it, what it could have. And, and I think that's um, something that hopefully re-emerges after the pandemic when people have sat down and spent enough time at home and everything else and realise about socialising and, the, and the, the leisure industry as it is and what an important part it actually does play in everything. Yeah, because I think there is a, a, a pent-up um, demand now, isn't there, for, for nights out and getting out and socialising again and hopefully that will kick-start some of the things that, that perhaps we, we haven't been as good at delivering uh, in Lancashire and Preston in particular, because it it was a great hub of activity uh, back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s. And as I say, I remember having uh, some fantastic nights out there. Uh, fives was about then as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fives was there. Was, um, yeah, it's, I mean, when you, when you sit back and you look at, you know, the number of venues and, and other things which, which were about, and I think, a lot of the shift and change happened when the um, licensing laws changed. Mm. I think what they thought was going to be a great um, enabler turned into a, a massive restrictor. And, you know, you were looking at rather than having defined hours where people were working, it was just almost like a, a free-for-all. And, and it sort of changed. And I don't think that things have ever been the same since that change. Mm. That's an interesting point. Anyway, listen, let's go back into your own personal journey. So you're promoting these nights yeah. and at some point 
you've obviously decided, I, I want to formalise this. I, I want to have now my own gaff. I want to actually take this a bit more seriously. So how did that happen? Where was the first venue that you started to uh, control and, and really get involved and get your teeth into the hospitality sector? Yeah, well, that was it. I mean, and, it, and it's funny because it, this happened, the two things, again, happened in, in parallel because at that point, I was sort of um, looking at, as well as wanting to branch out into the leisure side of things, at the exact same time, I thought, right, I'm going to go off and be a, a freelance consultant um, too. So I did the two things <laughs> at the same time, which is not really sort of recommended. Um, so <laughs> You lost your hair, mate. <laughs> oh, eyebrows and everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So we set, um, I think it was 1998, so we set um, Browns up um, and I worked with my cousin. So one of the biggest issues in anything is not an idea, it's capital. And I think that's an age-old problem with business then, now and, and everything else is actually having the capital to, um, to do things. So I went in partnership with um, a couple of guys who had the capital and, you know, I, I had the, you know, had the expertise. So um that, that worked really well, and again, it was it was successful for God, ten or so years. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I think at that point, you know, for me, I think it, you know, I'd, I'd, it sort of, um, you know, I'd run my course on on that, and you want to go and do different things. The consultancy side of things was um, was doing was doing really great. I'd left BAE, um, and then I went back to them as a consultant, working on various projects also with them um, you know other various other sort of blue chip companies and and that again was um was a crazy time because you've got sort of two hats on you you've got your daytime hat and then your nighttime hat it was um was not not to be recommended in taking two things on like that at once i think if i could do something again i definitely wouldn't do it do it that way around yeah. i would have picked, picked one yeah and um, when you first went into business. I mean, that's interesting in itself that you said, you know, you basically, what you brought to the party was your expertise, your experience uh, in terms of promoting nights and marketing and that side of things. Um, but then you had some financial support and backers. Um, but I just wonder, Rob, whether you can think back to that time, what you found as the, the biggest challenges going into your own business. Well, the, li the list is long and endless when you when when you look at it. It's um well I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some of the things some of the things I can I can actually stay on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always interesting the conversations with guys and girls from the nighttime economy either. Yeah um no I think I think you've got you've got when when you're young um when you cast back one of the problems is people taking you seriously that I think that was mm. one of the biggest issues is, is people looking and, and taking you seriously um when you, you're trying to do you know you know what you're doing as a from a raw perspective but you know you, you don't necessarily know what you're doing it's a really strange thing where you can go and do the job but you can't do the job and I think at that point I sort of realized that pretty quickly and I was very lucky I had a lot of sort of older friends and people who were experienced in business who you could lean on and, and ask various things because you've got the ideas, you think you can do it, but again, that experience in, in knowing and managing cash, managing people, um, handling 
adverse situations which are sort of thrown at you without um, without panicking, knowing when to panic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I think that was um, you know that that was one of the um, yeah one of the bits where looking back having people you could lean on and communicate with and ask just straight questions you know how do you handle this what do you recommend and that wasn't on a a monthly type those were sort of daily conversations that you would have with with numerous people it's interesting isn't it because now you know we are encouraged to have you know business coaches mentors it's all very formal but again you know certainly going back to the 90s uh, there wasn't that infrastructure, was there? So it very much was a case and, and knowing where to go for, for the right help, guidance and support. Don't get me wrong. Some of the guidance and help and advice wasn't the best as well. So <laughs> I, think, I think the formalised mentoring with people who actually know what they're doing <laughs> is, is a better solution. <laughs> when, I, when I look back now at some of the stupid things that some people actually did give me advice and, um, you know, Crackers, that's definitely a conversation offline. But yeah, um, you know, and, and that's something I'm really keen to sort of um, reciprocate and do now. There's a lot of um, younger people who are entering into business. And, I, you know, you know, my phone's open to a lot of people who pick up the phone and shoot an idea or ask you questions or, you know, do you know somebody who can? And, I, and I'm really always open and happy to share, you know, even with um, competitors, you know, currently, what people perceive as competitors, which... Um, you know, I've always had in all of, you know, in all of my businesses, an open dialogue with like your, your peers' competitor, you know, to the public. You know, we, we, we talk often and I always look and think, if you're good, if your proposition is good and you're good, you'll always do well anyway. And, you know, a, a bit of competition is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not for men, it sharpens you up. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And actually, I think, you know, in my experience, if you haven't got competition, then it's usually because there's not a massive desperation from the product you're trying to sell. Yeah, you're not in the right space. Yeah, you're not yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that's a great point, actually. So you, you sort of talked about a good decade, uh, yeah. probably a bit more, actually, I think, with Browns. Um, but then you've obviously started to see some signs that perhaps it's better days are behind it and yep. you're looking for new opportunities. So but what, what did you do after that? Rob, and, and how did you, I suppose, come to that conclusion that, that the, the days of the of running Browns was sort of behind you? I think um, it was it was strange. Where I think when you're working in a in a in a partnership and you've got to look at other people's views and other people's opinions, and maybe yours aren't aligned with theirs. I think that's one of one of the problems again. And you know, again, when you're working, you're picking partners. Um, you've got to pick people and you share that same vision and people's visions change and the priorities change. I mean, when I left there, I sort of did open another venue um, just down the road, actually. A stone throw which more represented where I was at and, and, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and that was a very much a junior sort of partner in the other activities because I, I was, you know, was, we're busy providing um, a lot of IT consultancy services to various various companies, and um, I found that that was getting a bit more exciting for me, which sounds crazy, rather than the the, the nighttime sort of side of it. Um, and then at that point, we were, 
you know, we, I sort of had an exit out of there and um, entered more into, into the, the property arena with, um, you know, Cotton Court and, um, and, various, and various other bits. But I think for me, um, the businesses I'm involved in very much represent a lot of where I am as a person, you know, where I'm at in my life and, and what I find interesting. I think um, I may be a good entrepreneur, but a bad businessman in the fact that once I get bored of something, <laughs> whether it's the right financial time to exit it, I just exit because if I'm not all in, I yeah. can't sort of perform how I'm how I'm sort of meant to perform. So that's sort of been pretty much my sort of story. Um, if I'm not enjoying it, then time to leave and do something else that you really sort of enjoy. And I think if you're enjoying something, you do it well, then you know you make a couple of quid out of it. Um, but I've never felt like I've been to work or I go to work because I just do what I enjoy. And once I stop enjoying it, I um, I just I just do something else. Yeah, I, I think that's a hugely important piece of advice, actually, Rob, because one of the things that a very experienced businessman told me when I embarked on my journey into business uh, was that the priority was you enjoy what you do. Uh, because, you know, we all have bad days. We all have challenges. Sometimes, you know, those challenges of your own making. But other times it's because something else beyond your control has happened. And if you can't get up of a morning and look forward to the day, then it's going to be really difficult for you to make that business a success, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a long, it's a, it's a long, I mean, the pe- what you're doing and the people you're working with, that's, um, you know, a really sort of, um, you know, key factor. And that's something I, I really choose carefully and the things I do. And, and more importantly, the people, that, you know, the, the people that I'm working with. And I think, as an entrepreneur, I think that gives me um, the control that, that I want happens as well, because I can be a, a challenging individual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people can either, you know, respond to that and, you know, your personalities work, or I'm just the pain in the bottom and it, it's, just, you know, the relationship's never, ever, ever going to work. So that's the other reason why I'm not forced um to change how I want to be and change my personality massively in working in a large organization. And that's another reason why for me working, you know, for myself is, um, is a key because I'm unemployable. I think most people wouldn't actually put, put, put up with me, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you must be doing something right because you're still winning plenty of work in terms of the consultancy practice as well. So let me just stick with this working with the right people as well because that's not just business partners that's the people that you know working in your team Uh, and again i just wonder how you find that you know recruitment process finding the right talent uh and and how over the years uh perhaps you've changed You, you know certainly i think you know my own experience of this is that probably for the first 14 years of this business, if not more, we, we were very lapsed in terms of our recruitment process. We've had to be uh, more sophisticated in our approach because actually with small companies in particular, if you get a couple of bad apples in, it really can send the business into free fall. And we had that situation not so long ago, nipped it in the blood just in time, I think. But uh, again, Rob, just in terms of your own experiences, is that something that you 
have found yourself uh, taken more seriously now, that sort of recruitment of, of new talent and people to work with? Yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. Um, and I was lucky. I, I had a recruitment pipeline, which I never realised I had until it had actually gone. Mm. So we used to have the bars and the clubs, and we used to get bright students who were working on a part-time basis, yeah. who then graduated from university, who then remained with us and then moved throughout the organisation. And we got to know them and they got to know us. And, yeah. and it's really strange that people who, you know, worked for me and still work for me now have yeah. actually gone through, you know, went through that process. And it was only when um, that process ended, when we didn't have the bars, that I realised I'm shocking at recruitment. Absolutely <laughs> shocking. We've had some absolute, sorry, anybody who's worked for me now no longer does, but we've had some real howlers, which, you know, a real recruitment professional would have looked at and said, what yeah. are you thinking about? Have you bumped your head? You know, the dynamics just um, wouldn't work. And I think it's not necessarily people's ability. Mm. I think it's the, the dynamics and, you know, how you like to manage. I have a very flat management style. Yeah. You know, um, I expect people to sort of crack on with it. And, um, you know, if they need something, come and ask. But, you know, have a go and do it. And, you know, if there's a problem, come to me and say, this is how I think I'm going to solve it. Um, don't ask me how to solve it. You know, and if I agree with you, I'll say, yeah, crack on. And if I don't, we'll have a discussion on it. But, you know, people come in and sort of like just say, we've got a problem. It's not, you know, it's not what I really want to hear. <laughs> um, you know, there's some um, choice vocabulary words which are, are generally used. I mean, I, I have a little thing which I do, which winds everybody up. But when somebody says, I tried to do it, I generally say, right, put a pencil on the desk. And I'll say, pick it up. And they pick it up. And I'll say, put it down. And I say, now, try to pick it up. <laughs> now, the day that somebody can show me how you can try and pick it up, I'll believe they've tried to do it. You either <laughs> do it or you don't. What's <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm going to use that. That's a great. That's a great. A, a great line. But in terms of, um, again, be interested to get your views on this. One of the ways in which I've tried to to sort out that conundrum, um, because as I say, a couple of really bad uh, appointments. But most people who haven't worked out here, it's not been because it's their fault. And it's not necessarily been because it's our fault. It just hasn't been the right fit. Yeah. Uh, and again, sometimes I think you have to hold your hands up, don't you? You know, you know back in the day, I, I had situations like that. You know, I had jobs where I thought, you know, after a few months, you're thinking this probably wasn't the right move for me. Um, and, and so what we did, Rob, was we quite formally actually introduced, you know, a set of values and a culture within the business. Uh, that we now expect people to um, basically live with. You know, when, when you're in our business, you've got to act in a particular way uh, and you know what the vision of the business is. And as I say, the culture uh, and the, be the behaviours that are expected, I suppose. Is that a route that you've gone down or are you a little bit more informal in your approach? It's, um, it's, it's very different because we've got across the spectrum of what we do, each business is, 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 is very, very different. So in some of the business, for, for instance, Cotton Court, for instance, that's very much how we, you know, how we operate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm also a director of um, 
an energy company, which is, you know, it's its whole purpose is it's not for profit, it's um, owned by a housing association, which I'm also a director of. And its whole point is to try and reduce fuel poverty. And, you know, any profits that are made there go back into the communities or back into um, buying more sort of social housing. So, again, the recruitment process and the whole HR infrastructure within those organizations are totally, totally different. And, you know, we, you know, we enlist sort of HR professionals and, and external companies to, you know, to help us with that sort of recruitment process. Um, but then on other projects, um, for instance, we've just launched a hair fair brand for mixed and curly hair, not mine. Um, <laughs> um, again, that team is, is, is very, um, very, very flexible. And we, we've got people working all over the world actually now who, who work for us on that. And that's quite an exciting thing, which has sort of changed. because it, it never actually crossed my mind that before, when everyone's now more comfortable working in this sort of, you know, digital way, that we can get, you know, the, the people who you want, you know, it doesn't matter where they actually are, you can actually work well together. So, again, it's, it's horses for courses, really. And I think sometimes you do need to um, have that formal HR environment. And other times you've got the culture, which is, sort of, I always say, culture's led from the top. And then on, on new elements, it's, Really sort of fast and free and you're trying to find your feet and you're sort of really looking at you know all hands on deck and you want things to change pretty sort of quickly and you know the, the culture hasn't even had time to ferment and establish itself yet so um it's more about having a shared goal you know this is what we want to achieve these are our targets and it's more sort of all, all going for the same thing yeah yeah only it took our 16 years to ferment <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it rules have always been around, but as I say, we never ever sat down and said, okay, well, what do we want to be as a business? What what should the culture be? And, and you know, it took us a long time to get there. And that, yeah, listen, it's not for everyone. You know, again, you know, I think sometimes now businesses are almost feeling a, a pressure and necessity to have on the wall, you know, 10 things that, that we believe if it's not genuine, it's not worth doing in my opinion. And I think... We did it for a reason, but I think also we did it because we were comfortable that we developed that culture. And it was just a case of putting it down on a piece of paper and saying, yeah. right, that's where we want to go. Tell us a bit more about Cotton Corp, Rob, because obviously I, I, I'm well aware of it. You've been very generous in terms of giving us space over the years there for our operation in Lancashire. But tell us about that business. Yeah, that's probably the, um, you know, when normally people look and think, I had an idea. There was something I wanted to do, and I pursued it. That's not Cotton Corp. <laughs> Cotton Corp was. Um, I exited a company, and you know there was a beautiful building there, um, and, not, and there was a fella putting a for sale sign up on this building at this time. Which once he went, with, you know, we, we removed the for sale sign, and we did a quick deal because you know we, you know. Had the cash to buy it, and then sat back and thought, right, great building, yeah. What we're going to do with it? So <laughs> that was um, pretty much how that sort of came about. And you know, we we looked at other facilities and, and spaces that we'd use, and and we actually looked around at us as a consultancy. One of the things that we needed was flexible space and other bits, and we almost built what the services we have at Concord around what we need and what we thought that 
other companies need and everything else. I mean, everybody looks now and it's obvious, but what was it? 10 years ago, when we started, I remember when we started talking about hot desking, shared space, small office space, and you know, telephone answering, virtual, so people thought it was crackers because everybody had their own office, you wouldn't share a desk. There wasn't this collaborative type of working. And it, it was not an overnight success, I can assure you, and I can assure you of that. Uh, but, we, you know, once the idea had sort of um, cemented and we knew it was the right thing to do, we stuck with it because we got offered absolutely, on, on numerous occasions, people saying, I'll rent the whole building off you. I'll rent a floor off you. I'll rent, listen. And then going back to, if I was looking at it from a pure economic perspective, that would have been the right thing to do at that time. But I really wanted to see if the idea we had would work and we just, you know, so, sort of stuck, you know, stuck, stuck by it. And it's, it's strange at the time I actually had a, had a business partner and um, that relationship fractured because of that. You know, um, you know, he was like, look, we've got to take the money. I'm like, no, 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 we, we said this is what we're going to do. We've got to go that way, you know, and um, you know, so we sort of, you know, parted the company and we sort of go it alone. And um, fortunately, the, you know, the gamble paid off and, it, and it's, and the world has sort of moved around to that um, co-working and sharing collaborative type um, approach to business, which is, which is brilliant for, for two reasons. I think it's um, a better way of working. And the other one, I'd been in um, a bit of trouble now, but <laughs> it, it didn't pan out. It's been a great success story though, hasn't it? And you've had, you know, many companies who have started out probably yeah. a journey at Cotton Course and then, you know, developed and moved on. Um, but again, from your perspective, it must give you an awful lot of satisfaction to see Preston businesses yep. being able to take that space uh, and it's quality space. Let's get it right. You know, it's something that, as you say, many of the bigger commercial landlords are now doing, you know, that sort of flexible working space, hot desking and so on. But some great businesses have been born in Cotton Court, Rob, haven't they? Yeah, but I mean, I sit back and I look in almost the businesses that are in there now, you know, we, you know, I, I can tell you what everybody sort of does because you have those conversations and people share things. And, you know, I can go back to, I mean, I'll throw, um, you know, Luke Massey and, and vibe into it. The mix. So, you know, when you've got a young kid, you know, off an estate, a similar background to you, and he sort of comes with an idea and, and starts with a desk and you say, look, you know, have the desk for now. And once you start making a couple of quid, we, we'll talk then. And you work through. And now you look and he's, you know, his backers are some of the richest people in the country, um, you know, and he's doing phenomenal things. You know, you sort of sit back, you know, offices in London and you know, hundreds of thousands of users and various other bits, you sit back and you think, right, I mean, and, and you know, we, we still speak on a, you know, weekly, fortnightly basis about things and, you know, we'll, you know, send me his business plan and say, what, you know, what do you reckon to this? And, and the funny thing is, who was the, you know, he was the kid who was coming to me for advice. I fire the stuff back and I say, you know, what do you think about this? And, it, and it's brilliant. You know, you, you get that two-way um, relationship and, that's what we have in Cotton Court. A lot of the businesses, you know, they're not competing with each other. They work together, they share services together, ideas together. And, you know, someone will come and say, you know, what, what, do, you what do you reckon to this? And, and the good bit is if anyone's asking me, they know 
I'm going to sort of call it as it is and nobody's really precious. That's, you know, when you don't say what they want to hear. And the good thing is people then say, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. And sometimes, you know, it works phenomenally. Sometimes it doesn't work as well, but that's advice, isn't it? You, you take advice and you do with it what you want. You know, it's a, but the key thing is listening to it and adapting to it to, to sort of suit what works for you. Absolutely. And as you say, seeking the advice, whether you eventually take it, that's one thing, but you've always got to try and get yeah. views, I think, on. I mean, I've got a friend who um, I asked him, I run loads and loads of things past him, often. Um, now, if he ever agrees with anything that I am saying to do, I do not do it. <laughs> I really do not do it. <laughs> you know, he, he's he, he's the worst ever when it comes down to ideas or implementing anything. And if ever he said, and he has done on a few occasions, said, "Brilliant, that's I've, I've absolutely said I'm not doing that." <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of finding out whether they're right. Yeah. Just sticking with the cotton core concept for a second, Rob. Obviously, we've seen a huge transformation. You reflected this really in earlier remarks around that the, I suppose, the advance of uh, technology, you know, the fact that we've been talking to each other through Zoom or Teams or these other platforms. Uh, and so I think at the outset of uh, this COVID crisis, you know, if I look back to last summer, there was this notion that everybody was going to work from home. And the office space was dead and cities were going to die and so on and so forth. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I think that's for the birds. Uh, and actually, yeah. the things that you were talking about there in terms of companies who just working in the same space, not competitors, not necessarily working together directly, but mm -hmm. able to collaborate, able to bounce ideas off one another. And let's face it, able to probably create pipelines and referrals for one another. Yeah, sure. Not getting that from working from home, are you? No, the working from home thing is, um, it's strange. I mean, it, it, I think it's going to be, a, I hate using what are, you know, the new normal and blended, you know, but a blended approach to sort of um, working from home, what, what suits, I mean, for instance, this morning, I'm, you know, I'm at home and it's, and it's for a great reason because we just have no space, I've no room at the building because we've got loads going on. So that's the you know the best reason you know when you when you look and you're told there's no there's no meeting rooms available sorry um, do it do it at home yeah. um, but I think that people miss that interaction in a massive massive way and I think the creativity which you get and also the confidence you know when when you're sat there and you you're just not having a great day because of something and you know you can turn around some somebody sees you and you look and you say ah. Oh, such a thing's happen, just in casual conversation, you often get a solution. You get someone who looks at you and says, yeah, been there. So you've got that reassurance and various other things which you don't even realize that you're missing. You know, I mean, I fear for a lot of the um, creativity which, which sparked from just that, um, you know, brew machine conversation, you know, when you're talking or you're seeing other things going on. Um, and I think that people will always go out to work, but I think some people will work from home. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, you know, the absolute presenteeism where 
somebody has to be by their desk at nine o'clock until five o'clock is bonkers. And it's something we've never assumed in, just like holidays as well. I mean, you know, we've got an approach, um, you know, at Concord where, you know, from a holiday perspective, it's sort of, um, I couldn't tell you how many days somebody has or doesn't have it. If it doesn't impact on what we're doing, then it doesn't really matter because, you know, I'm really lucky where, you know, my guys, you know, if, if something's happening or they're doing something, they'll work to whenever they'll do, you know, the flexibility and the dedication that they show is, un, you know, unbelievable. So, you know, who am I to start then turning around and saying, oh, you'd be really flexible on one hand. And then, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a real stickler that you've got to stick to these types of rules. It's, it's, it's bonkers. I think everybody's got to have a bit of, um, you know, a little bit of give and take. I mean, don't get me wrong, in some other aspects of you know the businesses we're involved in where you know you, you've got a help desk facility running then people need to be available within those times so it's it doesn't fit everything yeah and i think that's been something that businesses have been moving towards naturally over the last 10 years i'd say i mean again like you rob i've never been one of those where i want people clocking in and clocking off uh, I think our, our management styles are quite similar in that regard. And, and again, uh, you know, we certainly don't micromanage people. Um, and that, uh, you know, I have to be honest, that's because I hate managing people. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's simple as that. You know, I didn't set my own business up so as I could have people in the office every five minutes telling them what to do. I want to employ people who can crack on, as you said earlier. But yeah, that presenteeism still exists, I think, in, in perhaps more traditional industry sectors, but you don't get the best out of people, do you, operating? No. I don't think. No. Uh, well, I'm, sorry, mate, go on. Yeah, but I do think, um, you know, this thought that people won't return back to, um, you know, to offices is, is absolutely, um, you know, bonkers. I think, you know, commercial landlords are going to have to have a look at their, um, at their proposition and, you know, be a bit more flexible on leases, payments, you know, make it a little bit more easier to be, you know, in and out and various other bits. I think that's going to be a radical change. And I don't think that some of the larger companies are are really prepared for um, the uncertainty that that's going to sort of give. I mean, you know, we're very flexible in our, you know, in our, in our terms. I mean, we've had people who've come to us who have been in and out of the building, I don't know, three or four times with different businesses, different stages of growth and businesses. And you know, they've sort of come and said, look, I've lost a big contract. Um, I don't need the space anymore. And we just sort of like look and you know, generally just say, you know, fine, it's don't don't worry about it. And it, and it's and it's literally that. I mean, you know, we have a contract in place, but I don't think I've ever once, you know, really sort of um no, I have once, but that's another subject. <laughs> I have once, and that, and that actually, I won't get into names, but that actually was a, a large organisation who should have known better and who was trying it on, so I held them to the, to the letter of the law of the contract. But other than that one occasion, um, I've never held a contract. You know, it's, it's always been a case of saying, look, you know, don't, you know, don't worry about it. And when we had the first sort of lockdown, um, we suspended all of our rents, you know, when people couldn't work, we actually, you know, suspended the rent. We didn't charge any of our guys who were doing anything, any rent within that period, which was a massive hit for us because we didn't qualify for any of the um, support which was in place. But, you know, people couldn't get into their offices. They, they actually lost 
all their income overnight, you know, and we weren't saying, look, um, pay us a bit or pay us later on. We just said, look, when you come back in, we'll, we'll start from then. And, and that, you know, and people have been really appreciative from that perspective. And, and you know, the long side in it is that, you know, we, we, we've got full occupancy, which is actually really unheard of in, um, yeah. in this sort of climate, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, Rob, I want to spend the last 10 minutes or so of our conversation today talking about, I know you're passionate about, which is is Preston uh, and actually the wider Lancashire because, you know, I think we've had more than a glass of wine or two talking about our frustrations. And and this goes back for me, uh, despite the accent, you know, I was brought up in the county. Uh, I led the council for, for a period of time. I was on the county council for 12 years. And of course, during that period, uh, some other very senior politicians around, people like Louise Elman, for example, um, people that you know uh, quite well as well. And Lancashire really was top of the tree, uh, you know, in terms of attracting investments, the days of uh, Lancashire Enterprises, you know, some fantastic things happening, good, good active exciting nighttime economy in Preston, as you've mentioned, and other parts of Lancashire as well. And, and it all seems to have gone a little bit pear-shaped uh, over the last 15 years or so. Um, I think that we've got an opportunity uh, on the back of what's happened over the last 12 months. But just share with me your views, your frustrations, and also you know, your hopes uh, for Preston in particular, but, but as I say, for, for the wider county of Lancashire. Yeah, I think um, when, when you look at the likes of, you know, Manchester, you know, Liverpool, <coughs> you know, Birmingham, where they've got the, you know, the centralised figurehead of the, you know, elected mayor, where the whole region is sort of working collectively and there's a lot more sort of control over what's going on. I think Lancashire's missed out on that progression massively because of you know the the, the infighting am, am, amongst the um, you know the towns towns and cities within it and i think that too has been the biggest thing to its you know to its detriment which you know hopefully you know moving forward that that will not be the case and i you know lancashire you know world leader in aerospace you know nuclear technologies you know on the doorstep to you know to Cumbria, it's got an airport. You know Manchester Airport's a stone throw, Liverpool Airport's a stone throw. Great train networks. You've got the seaside resorts. You know, hugging the side of it. You know, fantastic place to live because you've got a city environment, but you're a stone throw away from the country. I mean, it's a fun, it, it's fantastic, but I think it's always just not said enough that how good it actually is at what it does, and that's probably my biggest frustration out of everything you know you, you sort of sat there and you're looking at some you know something that's brilliant at what it does and just just can't actually quite articulate it in the right sort of ways I mean you know there's a lot of work being done from the likes of marketing Lancashire and you know um, Lancashire County Council and things that are happening you know in you know in Preston you know the town's fund board which you know I'm a, I'm a member of and you know the great news that we've just had a, a massive you know, investment coming into the city now. Um, not enough, but, and it's not going to make a massive world-changing, you know, it's not a world-changing amount of money, but it's an important catalyst to actually start having change. And I think that's the key thing that's happening is 
there are lots of really good things which are going on. And for the first time, they're all joined up. You know, everybody's beginning to know what everyone's doing. And, you know, parts of project A can help project B, D, E and F, you know, and that's the exciting bit where you say that coming out of this sort of, um, you know, pandemic and, you know, and I think to some extent, this digital technology is helping because trying to get people around and a table has been very, very difficult, especially in Lancashire, because it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a massive geography. But, and I think having um, virtual meetings as well as the physical ones and, and a blended approach with both, I think is going to make a real massive difference to Lancashire in a, in a crazy sort of way. It's a good point, actually, isn't it? Because, you know, the East and the West, they'll oh. come together. And uh, and so, yeah, maybe it's maybe the virtual yeah. will help in that respect. But I, I just wonder, you know, you mentioned the, the mayoral role and the figurehead, which, which obviously is important for those three yeah. you mentioned. But also, of course, uh, there's a clear hub, isn't there? So Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham... Those are the cities, those are the economic drivers for those particular regions. Um, now, again, I, I think you and I are on the same page as far as this is concerned. Preston should be that hub for Lancashire. Uh, now, there may be people who are elsewhere in the county who don't necessarily agree with that notion. But listen, it, it's a city. Uh, it's certainly got uh, the potential and the opportunity to grow. Uh, and, you know, if you look at its train station, if you look at its location in terms of the infrastructure around it, I just think it's a no-brainer. Uh, and I think when you've got that economic hub that you can look to to get investment in, and then obviously the rest of the county benefits as a result, that for me is the way in which we're going to really win moving forward if we can cement Preston's position as, as a safe that, that catalyst for growth. Yeah, and, and I think I think part of the reason why people, you know, butt against that is because everybody's seen it in two different things. We're talking about an economical, geographical hub, yeah. not where power is, you know, yeah. passed out from. And I think that's possibly where where things have always gone wrong. Everybody needs to point at, it, you know, the Birmingham City region, you know, Greater Manchester, everybody needs to point at their city. It, it's just, you know, you need to have that central point. But, you know, the prosperity of the county is spread across all of it. And I think that's just maybe a, a mind shift needs, you know, needs to sort of happen. But it is a common sense approach. And I think once we can have that sort of mindset, I think things will move a lot, lot faster, you know, in, in the county. I, I think as you indicators rob things are moving in the right direction i think we've had a good year in that regard whether that's because we have been locked down uh and being a bit more uh, uh patient with one another i'm not sure but you know we've set up the all-party parliamentary group that was dead easy to do all the mps really wanted to get involved in that and we've seen i think some positive moves towards uh, a form of combined authority and then obviously who knows from then so let's watch this space Listen, just to, to end the conversation today, you obviously had a, a, a wide range of, uh, of business interests, still involved in many things. Um, but I know that you still take a keen interest in the hospitality sector, the visitor economy. It's an important part of what Lancashire does, yeah. uh, if nothing else. 
and it's a sector that's been battered and bruised over the past year or so. Uh, just be interested to get your views on what next, really, for, for those guys who are operating in that space. Yeah, I think one of the things with the hospitality industry, when I, what I always sort of looked at, is um, I think it needs the investment and training that goes into that. I mean, we, we often, you know, we often talk about, um, you know, it's actually delivering it and, and making sure it's a professional pathway. I think people often look at the hospitality industry as a part-time gig whilst I'm at university or, you know, something that I do in between, a, a, a transitional type thing. And, and the, the amount that it brings to the economy is huge. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know the number, but I know it's in the top three of employers or something like that, isn't it? You know? And um, I think even though there have been inroads made to making that, you know, a professional sort of pathway, I think that's one of the key things coming out of this pandemic. I think the industry needs to look at that and formalize it. And so that when people are coming out of school, you know, it is something when, the, when they're having the careers talks and everything else and looking to think, I do want to go into hospitality and I want to progress my way through the management structure and then maybe into having my own, you know, my own thing or progressing within a larger corporate sort of environment. But I think that's probably one of the biggest things which I think we need to get from, from what's happened with the pandemic and look and think, right, there's an opportunity here to sort of restart and actually change the image of working in hospitality as a true, genuine, professional career path that people can sort of adopt and take. Yeah, it's, it's some really good points there. It is often seen as a bit of a Cinderella in mm -hmm. But you and I both know some very, very successful individuals. So, yeah, great point. Rob, let's uh, finish where we started, back back with, with you. And um, what are you hoping for for the remainder of 2021 and beyond? We are now starting to see some light at the end of what's been a very long tunnel. So what, what are you um, hoping that uh, you can begin to achieve over the next period of time? Well, for the first time ever, um, I'm actually going to turn around and I can't believe this. I'm hoping that what a politician tells me is actually true. So <laughs> saying that this is the last ever lockdown, Boris, I hope <laughs> for once I'm counting on you to be telling the truth. So let's hope that they, um, you know, the proof is wrong in, the, in, the, you know, in, the, in this instance that we can count on everything they're saying to be the absolute truth. So... <laughs> That's, that's my wildly optimistic sort of side of it all um, coming back. But no, I think um, moving back forward, I, I just hope that things will never, I don't want things to get back to as they were. I want things to be better than what they were. You know, there were lots of things that we did do. I mean, the social inter interaction, everybody misses. I mean, I miss it like, you know, like crazy. It drives me mad not to, you know, be able to go and, you know, and do things, but I don't miss plowing up and down the motorway or being sat crossing the country on a train for an hour meeting and coming back when I could do it, you know, by this. So there's things which I want to remain. I want, you know, being able to sort of have meetings where you've got some people in the room, other people joining virtually. I think that I really want to see happen because that's allowed us to speed up a lot of the things where we do and trying to get people, you know, people around it, you know, around the table. But but again, I think a lot of the sort of the bad practices from before, um, particularly some of the environmental things were, you know, have a walk. You know, it's great when you see people sort of exercising and taking a walk, which, 
people didn't do before. And it's, you know, when I look and I think, you know, exercise, people having a bit more awareness about sort of mental health and the, and the need for it and other bits and stuff like that are so critical to businesses succeeding coming out of this pandemic that we, you know, we don't pay enough emphasis on that because the only way that a company succeeds is because of its people. And if your people aren't resilient, strong, focused, energized, then it isn't going to happen for you, unfortunately. And I think that's one of the key things out of this pandemic that if we can still maintain the fact that, you know what, the weather might be not be brilliant as it generally isn't in this part of the world, but you know, courts are hoods, you know, you can get something which is sort of waterproof and you won't melt. You know, I think a little bit more of that will will be will be great moving forward from a from a business perspective and, and all you know, all the other things that we need to look at from you know the government saying that it will support business. Um, you know, it's not gonna um, one size doesn't fit all. And there's got to be constant reviews as, as we go along because there's gonna be sectors of business which come out of lockdown and this sort of race ahead. And there's gonna be others which um, you know are a little bit more of a slow start. And I just really hope and pray that government doesn't try and do one size fits all and just have a policy, which then means that those companies that are doing great do phenomenal and the ones who are sort of struggling don't, you know, that that's what, what I just hope that they sort of think about things a little bit more sort of practically and communicate a bit more with business. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that last sentiment. I don't think business has been well served at all, either through this crisis or indeed during the whole Brexit debate, but we won't get into the beware. <laughs> Far too much a positive a conversation. For <laughs> Listen, uh, Rob, thanks for having a frank conversation with us today. Rob Bins, uh, uh, and a man of many talents, I can tell you. Great to see you, and thanks very much for your thoughts today. Yes, Frank. Cheers, mate. For all the latest downtown and business events, please go to our website, all the W's downtownandbusiness.com. Click on the events page and you'll see what we've got coming up.